the helicopter spin. <laughs> what? I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I didn't see that things. one coming. Oh man, you really circled around that one. <laughs> um, that was terrible. So, welcome to Screen Fix, another episode where we are going to recap the week's news. We're going to save Last Jedi though, because we need to save a whole a whole episode for that. Uh, we're going to do that one. That's going to come out. Right after this episode, though, so you're not going to have to wait too long, but we're going to do a whole episode related to Last Jedi. But right now, we're just going to recap the other movie news. It's a bit of a light week because, honestly, I feel like who wants to compete with Last Jedi coming out? Your <laughs> news might get lost in it. But there were still things to talk about. I'm JC, and with me always is Katie. Hello. The Lady Wan. <laughs> and Greg, the mustachioed. Well, Hello. So, Katie, did you do anything TV or movie-related this weekend? Or maybe not. Maybe you uh, made a mean rollatini. I don't know. <laughs> Just tell us. What'd you do? Um, I mean, there was definitely some kitchen freestyling in there. But I saw The Last Jedi twice. <laughs> and then Saturday night, Whoa. I decorated my Christmas tree and I watched White Christmas. It was lovely. Oh, the uh, Bing Crosby, yeah. Fred Astaire? Is that right? Uh, Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby Fred Astaire? Danny Kaye. Oh, oh, I love Danny Ooh, Kay. Yeah. So graceful, that Danny Kay. <laughs> and also um, Rosemary Clooney, who I think just looks like female George Clooney. <laughs> no? Like, kind of. I, I don't know. I've, I've, oh, I've, I've I was a weird thing. really distracted by how Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney are 25 years apart in age. And it's like, ooh, 25. they could get together. And I'm like, ew, he could be her dad. 25 years? No, Bing Crosby. That's creepy. <laughs> that's like how long we've been waiting for Luke Skywalker to come back. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, and Bing Crosby's performance, too, is so, like, subdued. He's, like, grouchy. Yeah. And then he's like, let me do a single song really deep. And I don't know. <laughs> that's good. That's Bing, good. And the thing is, like, for somebody named Bing, he's, <laughs> he, he certainly is more of, like, a bong. and then uh and then danny k is just wonderful he's he's tall but he glides like a like a like a like a beautiful doe in the meadow uh anyway i have no idea so anyway that's awesome so you did some christmasy movie stuff what is your uh what are your go-to uh holiday movies um i mean i am part of the portion of America that spends Christmas Eve watching a Christmas story on a loop. So I do that. Um, I'm recording the live Christmas story performance that Fox is doing. I feel like it could be a nightmare, so I can't wait to watch it. Um, I feel like most of those are an, an, yeah. an, a nightmare. Like I watched Remember, them so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they did the um, uh, uh, Peter Pan and wasn't Christopher Walken Cap, uh, Captain I, Hook? I think so. Yeah. Oof. Go I, ahead, Greg. Yeah. You know you have a Christopher Walken as Captain Hook impression. I was keeping it though. on standby. You know, Captain Captain Hook is a good one. It's one of my favorite parts to play, but I'd rather be Peter Pan. <laughs> uh, that was uh, perfecto. All right, so, Greg, uh, before we get into what you did this weekend... Uh, 
what's your Christmas or or holiday uh, uh, go to film? Christmas Story is a great one. I, I I think I end up watching the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation every single year, mm. just because now. I'm at an age where I appreciate it a lot more than than a Christmas story because now I'm looking at it like it's the the family kind of Christmas that's dysfunctional and crazy, like cousin Eddie with that there's an RV. You know, I I feel like I I laugh my ass off a lot more during that movie, and that's what I want to do at Christmas. A cousin with an RV. Oh, I've I've got plenty of family with RVs. <laughs> I think I'm the only holdout. Like, <laughs> your whole family is you have a whole family of just cousin Eddie. <laughs> so many. Um so Greg, did you do anything this weekend that was film and TV related or TV whatever? Well, uh did I had you? a friend of mine come into town and visit and we were flipping through like Christmas movies and horror movies and we stopped on a movie on Netflix called Deathgasm. And it was, okay. it was very special. I, I was in very, I was enthralled. Yeah. It was, it was like a, a black metal New Zealander uh, movie. So you were looking for Christmas movies and horror movies and you, and you stumbled on Deathgasm. Deathgasm. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it took me by surprise. <laughs> yeah. Much like ladies that you give an orgasm. Much. Right, okay. What else, and, did uh, I, what else did I do? So anyway, um, <laughs> you are, you're flushed, mustachio. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, uh, I would know a thing or two uh, about this right. uh, subject matter. Let's get started. Let's get started with uh, our our news. I guess let's go ahead and start with uh, something that slipped in this week. Uh, speaking of gasm, um, <laughs> uh, the Annihilation trailer, uh, Alex Garland's follow up to Ex Machina, which is a, a film that I think we all liked, right? Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Right? Oscar Isaac and mm-hmm. uh, Donald Gleason. Uh, basically... General Hugs. A spinoff of of, <laughs> of Force Awakens. <laughs> um, all right, so what are our thoughts on that trailer? There's also been some news that there were some behind-the-scenes uh, struggles a bit. The movie did not receive very good test audience reactions, so... I know that the studio or whatever big wigs wanted to make some changes. Uh, Alex Garland really fought back on that, and he had one of his producers or somebody was uh, also had his back. So they decided not to make any changes. So it is going to come out with uh, Alex Garland's true vision. But anyway, the trailer. How do we feel about that trailer? What do you think? I'm intrigued. It, it looks. It looks really interesting. It looks visually very different than this kind of genre would be. It's really colorful and bright, but it still manages to be scary. Um, so I thought that looked really cool. Yeah, I think it's interesting. They they seem to walk into a giant like oil stain. It's a huge <laughs> oil st- bubble. It's an oil yeah, spill. Yeah, a giant, a giant oily bubble. <laughs> and there's crazy creatures uh, inside that they have to deal with. What did you think, Greg? I, I thought it looked mesmerizing. You know, if, if Ex Machina showed us anything, it's that, you know, we're going to be taken by surprise with visually you know just striking contrast what do you think the plot of that movie is annihilation Uh, well looks like boyfriend dies and boyfriend was part of a project to go into the giant oil bubble and now natalie portman wants to go inside the giant oil bubble to figure out what happened i think he's alive 
I think. Oh, you think he's alive yeah. inside the, the oil bubble? No, no. I think they. it seems like he's outside the bubble maybe. And they're like, I don't know. Somehow they got him. It's confusing because he seems to be outside the bubble. But then they say nobody's ever come out of it. But maybe yeah. they dragged him out and now he's kind of dying and she has to figure out what's going on in the bubble to save him. I feel like he's the ticking clock in this movie is she's got to get out before he dies. And I think they're married. They better be married because they were sleeping in the same bed in the, in the, in the beginning of that trailer. Oh my. I mean, I'm basing this off of looking up their characters names and she's the biologist and he's the biologist's husband. So, And I'm totally kidding because I, I really don't care who sleeps together. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, Alice Garland. I'm looking forward to that. Did we get the release date of that? Anyone? Because we're so professional. No. No, nobody <laughs> did. Anyway, it's coming out next year. Annihilation. Natalie Portman. Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Is there an S on it? I think it's sim- uh, singular. Is it February? Is it Isaac? February 23rd. February 23rd. Thank you, Lady One. I think you have to that leave in. it with like a question mark at the end. Oscar Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Isaac? Anyway, so yeah, uh, Annihilation looks uh, interesting. I, I'm, a, I'm, not, hmm, I'm not worried about the film being good. I think it's going to be very good, and I think it's going to be challenging, and I think the plot's going to be challenging, and I think it's going to have twists and turns and suspense, kind of like Ex Machina did. I mean, it is mm-hmm. based on an existing book that I haven't read, the first <laughs> in some kind of series. So... I'm not expecting it to have a completely clear conclusion if it's based on the first of a series of books. And maybe that's why the audiences gave it a a poor test audience score. I'm not sure. I'm a little concerned about the test audience score as far as the film doing well in the, the box office. Sometimes uh, cerebral sci-fi does well, like Arrival. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that was really bolstered by a pretty clear, this is an alien movie. And here's Amy Adams. You love Amy Adams, right? Yes. Uh, This one's got Nallie Portman. I don't know if everybody loves Nallie Portman. And this is a movie where they're entering a giant oil oil bubble, which I think is less... you can't really latch on to that as much as you can latch on to, like, alien invasion. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like more people can latch on to, like, brainy Independence Day (laughs) (laughs) rather than what this is, which is oil bubble world. Oil bubble Um, world. It's... it's, it's, Right. the land of questions, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I fear for it as far as box office, but I think it's probably going to be a great picture. We'll see because hopefully Alex Garland wasn't just somebody who had one great, you know, one great film in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the follow up will let us know. Yeah. Next, let's check out. All right. So some other news is out there. Like I said, it's it's kind of a light news week. Other than the Disney Fox merger, which finally went through, but I feel like we've been talking about that for weeks and weeks, and uh, the implications of that, and uh, but it finally did go through, and Disney is getting a considerable amount of Fox's uh, properties, including ones that I didn't even know, like Alien, Die Hard, Avatar. I did know, and I was actually kind of happy about that because they already have mm-hmm. Disney already has uh, an amusement park based on Avatar. They might as well have Avatar. But yeah, I I didn't know really that uh, Alien was part of that whole thing. Simpsons are part of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. A lot more. And are we okay with this? I'm I'm in the minority maybe of thinking it's fine. Uh, I don't really care where it comes from as long as it's good. 
And so far, Disney has been doing a really great job with most of their properties, even hiring uh, indie directors mm-hmm. where they fit the the vision because uh, we know that the uh, Lord, Lord Miller were fired off of Han Solo. But, you know, like Ryan Johnson was able to pick up Star Wars. So Taika Waititi was able to direct Thor Ragnarok, another Disney uh, film. So I think they're willing to take chances and I think they do try to make the best film possible. They're doing well with remakes of their own films, Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book. They're doing well. They're letting the, the proper people handle Marvel. They're letting the proper people handle Star Wars. But how are they going to affect Alien, Die Hard, these other Simpsons, these other properties <laughs> that are coming under the Disney blanket? I would just like an expanded series of Alien versus Predator versus literally anyone. I will watch those movies forever. <laughs> just give me more of those. <laughs> versus literally anyone. That should be the title, and it's just some <laughs> some person. That's that's right. I actually forgot that uh, Predator was part of that as well. Who wouldn't watch a Predator Die Hard movie? That sounds amazing. Who wouldn't watch? Oh man. Who wouldn't watch McLean yes. take on Predator? Yippee ki yay! <laughs> oh, that would be that's, great. That sounds like. <laughs> That would be great. Uh, Lady Juan and I were talking before, and we 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 were thinking that in order for a movie to be a diehard movie, all you have to do is name Bruce Willis's character John McClane. I feel like I feel like we're already writing the next movie. Well, yeah, I mean you do because the film, uh, the diehard film, I think it was uh, Die Hard Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's what we were talking about with Samuel L. Jackson. It's super not a diehard movie, except for no, that he's John McClane. It well, the thing is, it wasn't even written as a diehard movie. Mm-hmm. Bruce Quillis is always playing John McClane anyway. Yeah. Yep. So you call him basically, John McClane, yeah. you take away his shirt, the end. <laughs> just wear yep. a tank top and just like be give, grumpy. Give him a gun. That's, that's <laughs> all it is. Take, take you away. give him a dirty white tank top. Yes. And no shoes. Done. And that's that's a, a diehard dude. That's it. That is like the easiest Halloween costume for any dude, by the way. Just like lock that down for next year. Just like Dirt, yeah. no shoes, dirty white tank, tank no shoes. Buzz, buzz your head, hair. <laughs> no, no, no. If you any like partially balding man, that's that should be there every every Halloween. Yes. Costume. Yeah, they could be yes. Butch from yeah. Pulp Fiction yeah. easily. Just nobody makes balding <laughs> as cool as John John McClane. He's because he doesn't care. He's he's still cool. He's still sarcastic. Totally cool. <laughs> but he's got uh, a little bit of a little bit of widow's peakage. Just, just, just a little bit of a little Jack Nicholson widow's peakage. Little little <laughs> little Nicky. Uh, so yeah, what do you think about the whole deal, Greg? Uh, how do you feel about Disney having Predator? Uh, like, you know, aside from the Marvel stuff, how do you feel about him having ha- about him? Him. Mickey. him. Mickey. Hi, I'm Mickey. Walt. Yeah. How do you feel about Mickey having everything? <laughs> I have everything now. Oh. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about Mickey uh, owning? You know. Uh, not just Marvel, but Alien, Predator, Simpsons, Die Hard. How do you feel about that? Like, what are your yeah, thoughts on that? Intrigued to see how it uh, pans out. But then you start thinking, okay, well, what if there's crossover universe stuff? If you start seeing Predator jump in with Marvel stuff, then it, it just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It takes you away from that fun excitement. And just now it brings you back to, oh, the, they can do this. Yeah. <laughs> It, I don't think Disney's that no. dumb. No, not to. Not, I mean, not that the, bad. the just ba- You know, the thing is, like, like that movie would make a ton of money if they were like, you know, Predator, Die Hard, Homer Simpson, Doe Hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
mean, so that would, <laughs> I mean, it's so Doheart would make a lot of money, but they're not that dumb because they know that there are actual fans of these things, yeah, and and they yeah. want to take it seriously. Like they're they're not going to let you know Bambi fight Freddy. <laughs> Or will they? They own Freddy now. Oh my God! They own everything. I mean, it's it's going to be Ready Player One. It's this is what we're moving towards. Everything is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You know Ooh. where, right? Where <laughs> we're watching a where it just mixed every cartoon character you've you've ever seen into the same movie, and you saw Jessica Rabbit's Toon Vagine. <laughs> so yeah, um, also sneaking in underneath the radar, uh, Forty Eight Hours remake is a go. It's a go. So 48 Hours is, so 48 Hours, uh, of course, is the Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte uh, buddy cop, uh, if you can call it that. I think Eddie Murphy was actually a criminal, but it's that whole like kind of like buddy cop uh, solving a crime together. They don't get along, bickering adventure, yeah. uh, kind of a lethal weapon-esque. Total, totally um, contrast each other. Yeah. Right, and they have to solve a thing. And Forty Eight Hours is a, is a pretty gritty film, definitely violent, definitely rated R uh, for the eighties. Um, and I have a question. So Forty Eight Hours remake is coming out. I want to know who are the modern Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. Who do you want to see in a Forty Eight Hours remake? Yeah, I got nothing for this because to me, Eddie Murphy is the guy from Doctor Doolittle, and Nick Nolte is the guy with the mugshot. Like, I don't know them being, like, <laughs> respectable actors. I don't. Sorry, I'm out. Ooh, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's true. That they're just, like, two two guys that haven't been relevant for a long, long time. I mean, I mean Eddie Murphy kind of snuck in there with uh, Dreamgirls briefly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's been a lot of uh, underwhelmers. When's the last time what if Nolte was relevant? What? You know, but seeing Nolte in something now is, like, Oh, Nick Nolte. Wasn't he the sexiest man alive in 1991's People magazine? Ugh, was he? Because that must have been a tough yeah, year. He, yeah, he, he was. I think I thought every picture of him was a mugshot. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even stills from the movies he's in. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, he was arrested for that that one, definitely. He was, he was drunken and abusive. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. He basically just always looks like kind of a drunken, abusive guy <laughs> in everything. But yeah, no, he was he was a big deal, especially in the late eighties and the early early nineties. Yeah, and he was People Magazine's sexiest man alive there one year. But yeah, they've been out of the cultural consciousness for so long that I think Forty Eight Hours is perfectly fine to make. I feel like nobody's seen Forty Eight Hours. I feel like Forty Eight Hours is one of those movies that was huge when it came out because Eddie Murphy was becoming a huge star it was one of his breakout movies uh Nick Nolte at that time as well it was just a movie that was big for its its day and it's kind of came and went yeah, they made a sequel was... called uh another 48 hours so it was big enough I mean, it, it to lost... also have a a, a a sequel but yeah I feel like a lot of people, probably you know, a little bit younger than I am, would you ask them if they've seen Forty Eight Hours? And I doubt anybody has seen Forty Eight Hours. I've never seen Forty Eight Hours, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Nolte and Murphy are not big stars anymore. They're punchlines. <laughs> um, but uh, do you think, Greg, that there's a modern Nolte and Murphy out there that we can plug into these two roles? I mean, I kind of want to see. A follow-up maybe I, I don't know uh, somehow Eddie Murphy's now the lead and and we got to have like uh 
you know, somebody that's Nolte's in yeah. Nolte's character is in jail, yeah. and <laughs> Murphy's character goes and gets him yes. out. That actually would that's that's the best idea. Like a, a movie all that also has Murphy and Nolte, but the roles are reversed. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Did you just do? Did you just do your Murphy laugh? <laughs> oh yeah, that was better. That was so much better. Ah, uh-huh. oh, um, <laughs> and maybe yeah, maybe that sounds like, like a great maybe idea. Maybe have like a like somebody who's like a narc be like the the younger protege. I like the speculation. But I'm reading that Gerard Carmichael is going to play that part. Who's that? He was in Neighbors. Um, he's also co-writing the movie. Partially writing it and he's supposed to be in it? Yes. So he'd be doing the Eddie Murphy part. I need to look up who that is. So, okay. So we've got our Murphy, uh, but we can't seem to figure out who is our rough and tumble modern Nolte. Hmm. I feel like everybody is busy doing something that Disney owns. Do they own this too now? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Who's available? Just Walt Disney needs to page them because they're all cast members now. Let's see. Uh, another thing that uh, it is confirmed uh, that uh, Kingsman 3 is going to come out. Kingsman 2. What what, what did you guys think of Kingsman 2? I, I didn't see it. Same. <laughs> Kingsman 2 was pretty much everything you liked about Kingsman 1. They overstuffed and cranked up to 12 and it was not a good result uh i was really disappointed with kingsman 2 because i really liked kingsman 1 a lot but why why did you why did you like kingsman 1 a lot kingsman 1 was surprising in its in its fun and violence and its stylized action whereas this one it was cheeky kingsman 1 is turned up to 11 Kingsman 2, there shouldn't be anything past 11, but somehow <laughs> Kingsman 2 turns it up to like 16, and that's too much. That's overload. Mm. You're like, ah, it's, it's just yeah. too much, too crazy. Too in your face. Too, it just too, too, too much of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems like they had to like go beyond what they did in Kingsman 1, where everybody in like the church was killing each other, and it was just this... That scene is amazing. The free bird. And there's another bird, killing yeah. scene uh, like that. But I think it's like uh, Elton John. Saturday, 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 Saturday. And it's like, that's what's what's wrong with it. They gave you what you liked in one. They put it in two. They cranked it up to 16 when it was already at 11. It was already too loud. It was, it was just, but it was tolerable. And now they've made it so loud that's blowing your eardrums out. And you're like, ugh. Ah, well, they, they, that's well, they know if they turn it down, it's just going to seem like they're stealing from Bond movies, right? Maybe. Just a thought. Maybe. So, yeah, Kingsman 3, do you care? Nope. No. All right. So everybody out there knows that there's a Kingsman <laughs> 3, and we've done our job. <laughs> the news. We don't have to care about the news. All right. So anyway, let's move on. This topic, near and dear to Katie Lady Wan. I don't know if it's near and dear, but I know that you <laughs> want to talk about it. How about those GGs, those Golden Globes? Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Go. All right. There's so many things. Um, The Golden Globes are always my favorite award show to watch because everybody is so drunk while they're happening. So um, (laughs) I love that. They just put the alcohol on the tables and they let them go. So very excited for it. Um, And it basically becomes my list of movies to watch. So I try and see what's coming out all through the year, but then the nominations come out and it's like, oh, thank you for this to-do list. 
uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association. <laughs> so I need to see the post. I need to see the shape of water. I need to see three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And I need to see Call Me By Your Name. I'm not going to backtrack to Dunkirk. It's too much for me. I know that I would be overwhelmed by it. So yeah, the best picture drama list is is my to-do list for the next like month or so. That's what I got to do. The movie uh, Greatest Showman. We haven't talked about the movie Greatest Showman. Yeah. That was that was that was nominated, right? For for several things mm-hmm. with the Golden Globes. It's in the it's nominated for best picture in the comedy slash musical category, which also includes Get Out. So go ahead with that. And it's also up for I think best song. And then Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams are both nominated for their performances too. That movie is nominated for awards mm-hmm. as far as music and comedy, yet there's an embargo on reviews yeah. until the day that it comes out. <laughs> and as we all know, that's usually not good. Yeah. Do you feel like this is a movie that is going to be pretty good songs, but the, it's going to be an awful film, uh, do you think, uh, based on the uh, review embargo? That's That seems like the direction we're going in. I think we might have the next burlesque or Phantom of the Opera right here, which was... <laughs> They were both nominated for Best Picture for the Golden Globes, mm-hmm. and they were super garbage movies. Um, so I think that we've got another one of those on our hands. That said, I will totally see this movie because um, I, I like seeing musicals whenever they come out. It's it's definitely escapism when you go to the theater. And um, just the story of P.T. Barnum, I'm super curious as to how they make that a feel-good story when he was probably a really terrible person. So interested to see what Hugh Jackman can do with that yeah they've, they've kind of like turned it into somebody who is creating show business at the expense of like freaks and ripping people off mm-hmm. into like a feel-good movie about like we're freaks but we're family we're family <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah like um, that guy's making all the money and I don't know the names of any of those people do you better bring new yeah. Barnum he made his money so yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna see it for sure, and I will report back. How do you feel about the fact that the songs in the movie all feel <laughs> like very produced pop songs? Oh yeah, I was, from what I can gather. Yeah, I was really surprised when when I saw the first trailer. Um, so it was one of those rare occurrences where I saw a trailer in the theater instead of seeing it on YouTube or somewhere else first. So I was watching it, and after it finished, I was like is that a musical? I really couldn't tell or if it was just like being covered with music in the trailer because it wasn't that clear when I first saw it, but it looks like a lot of Disney songs, like not not Disney movie, like Disney Channel. And that's not a ringing endorsement. Yeah, yeah. where it, it it where it doesn't feel like I mean, it's always slightly unnatural in these movies when they suddenly burst into song. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't do that in regular life. I mean, I do. I try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, where it doesn't feel like it's a person in that story just mm-hmm. singing and other performers come up and sing with them, where it actually feels like a completely isolated, separately produced section of the film. Mm-hmm. That was what I got from when I was watching the trailer and watching the different songs. Yeah. I'm very curious. I'll see it. How about you, Greg? Greatest showman? Are you all about Jackman in sinking it? <laughs> Jackman in sinking it. That's right. Um, I'm. I don't know how excited I am, but I'm intrigued. I I, I, I kind of liken it to like a conversation with grandmother. 
or not my grandmother, like just anyone in general. And they shouldn't <laughs> just call her grandmother. That, that That's kind of weird. Anyway, sidetracked. Grandmother. Grandmother. <laughs> I've had a conversation with a grandmother. Quick word. Quick word <laughs> with you. Come here. No. Um, but Let's go into the drawing room and... and <laughs> Discuss the news of the day. Go ahead, grandmother. <laughs> your smile is a thin veil to your actual intentions. Uh, no, no. So is, if you're talking to your grandmother and you're saying like, hey, this is like the, the greatest show on earth. It's P.T. Barnum's, you know, circus. It's something that she would recognize. And then you tell her like, oh, but yeah, the, the music, um, they, they, they updated it a little bit. It's going to it's going to be intriguing for an audience. And there's going to be a split in the audience, I think. Grandmother. Uh, so. Uh, oh Golden Globes, um, there's also been some other news about um, the fact that every Best Director nominee is a white male. Have any thoughts on that, Katie Lady Wan? Not cool. I mean, I honestly, I can't think of movies this year other than Wonder Woman with Patty Jenkins and Lady Bird with Greta Gerwig that were directed by women. Like, it doesn't happen as much as it should. So I don't know what the other choices are out there. But when you look at the nominees for this year, it's like it feels like an all star season of who's going to win. Like it's it's a ridiculous list of people. And then I just honestly don't know enough about is it Martin McDonough? Uh, I can't think of that's if that's his name. But yeah, everybody else is Christopher Nolan. Who else is it? Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, it's like the seniors tour. It's it's just it's like. (laughs) Yeah, it's like yeah, it's a, a geriatric tour day directing force there. Yeah, it's and it's a bunch it's of like, old it's men. Like, it's like you're telling me that that no young director of uh, any ethnicity or no female director did anything of note this year. It's just these tired old directors. I mean, come on, Spielberg's making a movie about a newspaper. Yeah, I mean, the combination of I mean, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, and Meryl Streep is just, why don't you just mark them down for all of the awards and just wh- how many spaces are left? That's what that is when you see that that is a movie that's happening. Is There it is. Those are... If there were five spots available, there are now four based on the fact that Meryl Streep did a movie this year. And it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, it's like it's 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 like the same with like Steven Spielberg making like like War Horse. It's like we've seen you do World War Two already. <laughs> like, why are we nominating you over and over for the same time period? It's just it doesn't make any sense to me. And the post does not make any sense to me either. We already saw that movie. It was called Spotlight and already won Best Picture. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Christopher Nolan does do something that Spielberg doesn't, which is he, with each film, he tries to kind of challenge himself as a film filmmaker. And with this one, he did a film that was divided into three parts, each taking place over different time periods. Mm-hmm. And he married them all together. That's a little difficult to follow, but he was doing something different. And he was challenging audiences and challenging, challenging himself. I'm fine with those kind of nominations, like a... A, a director who's been there, done that, but is still trying to do something different and challenge himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Spielberg's doing that. I don't know that really Scott's doing that. I think they're just making Ridley Scott films and just making Steven Spielberg's film mm-hmm. films and getting rewarded over and over and over for doing the same thing. I yep. agree. Yep. I would have yep. loved to see Jordan Peele in this category, nominated for directing Get Out. 
Yeah, I mean, that 100%. was that was different, and that was interest. Like the whenever the movie is, and I know it's hard to do when there's because the Golden Globe spl- splits up into nominating like ten movies for Best Picture. But when the movie is there, but the director isn't, and I kind of always wonder about that. I mean, obviously, mathematically, you can't include everybody, but I mean, that's that's the pick. Lady Bird is 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 that. Mm-hmm. Nominated for Best Picture, but nothing there for Greta Gerwig. Yeah, I mean, she's nominated for screenplay, but I will say the uh, the actor categories, for the most part, it is four people who have been nominated a million times and then one person who hasn't. That's in Best Actor and Actress in Drama, it's that way. Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical, it's that way. Yeah, it's just, a, it's a lot of the same faces all the time. Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy is Judi Dench, Helen Mirren, Saoirse Ronan, Emma Stone, and then Margot Robbie. Like, the two old ladies cancel each other out. The two <laughs> Academy Award nominees cancel each other out. And I think Margot Robbie got some some attention for Wolf of Wall Street, but I don't think she got anything, not, any not major much. award nominations. I think she just got a lot of attention. Why are Judy Gench and Helen Mirren there? Okay, we get it. They do a good job in everything. Like, we already get that. Like, yes, they're great. Do we have to throw them in every time they make a film every year because they're great. Are they stepping outside of their comfort zone? Are they doing something different? There comes some there comes a, a time where you're up and coming, then you're not up up and coming, then you're a star and you're like, you know, accepted as a big deal. And now you can't just rest and make good you can't just make good movies for the rest of your life. You have to make a movie where you stretch considerably to get that to get another nom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You shouldn't just be given noms for a good performance anymore. These these actors and actresses seem like they're just being fronted by their film industry, you know, like companies to to be like the spokesperson or at least the face of it. I mean, it seems like they're touting them like, like old gladiators or something. If you can compare Meryl Streep to an old gladiator at all. That and like Get Out is not a musical or a... A, a comedy there's definitely there's one person in that movie mm-hmm. who's comic relief <laughs> one comic relief character does right. not make a movie a comedy well star wars has comic relief characters is it a comedy definitely it's always not. been problems with this i mean the martian was in this category a few yeah, years ago that's right it's uh the hollywood foreign press association are a bunch of weirdos like they just have the prestige of this award show because they've had it for so long. It doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, it's just like, oh, what do we do with this get out picture that everyone feels is so important? Right. Well, we don't want to put it in best picture, but we need to do something with it because it was a film that caused a lot of buzz. It's a ethnic director. Uh, what do we do yeah. with this thing? And it's like, oh, well, uh, it's like they just they they fumble it around. Just like a Martian. It's like, okay, we've got this mm-hmm. science fiction picture. Uh, do we want to put that in with best picture? I don't know. It's like a science fiction picture. I don't know what to do with it. Oh, let's let's fumble it around and put it in comedy. Yeah. It's just, I wish I could see the like politicking and the like red tape and the stuff that goes on behind the mm-hmm. scenes there. Wait, JC, I got a quick question. So you're really good at interpreting or you're, you're good at foreseeing good at something? who's going to win the Oscars. You've always beaten me. You and I are like head to head at the Oscars parties with numbers of wins and you, you always mm-hmm. take it. I have to say that you, 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 yeah. I was pull up yeah, the upset. So I have a question. You, you, you seem to know how to pick the winner and the winners 
because you you mm-hmm. understand that the Oscars has to stick to something. They have to, you know, pick something that stands for something. I, I don't know. Is there a, is there a way that the Golden Globes mm-hmm. or the Hollywood Foreign Press is picking for this kind of award ceremony? Golden Globes will always pick the favorite, the crowd the favorite. favorite. Mm-hmm. Birdman and Michael Keaton, they'll pick the like yeah. sentimental favorite and the crowd favorite. Sylvester Stallone, they'll pick the one that everyone wants them to win so they can have their like feel good awards or whatever. And the way I pick my Oscars picks, I don't want to give this away because I don't want to lose anymore. <laughs> I, I want to keep winning my Oscars pool. Some of the supporting actress stuff will carry mm-hmm. over to the to the Oscars. But your big awards, whoever's got the momentum is not the one they're going to pick. They're not going to pick the Golden Globe winner for Best Picture, and they're not going to pick the Golden Globe winner for Best Actor. They're going to pick more of an Oscary pick. By Oscary pick, I mean someone's got to play something outside of their normal uh, character. Let's put it this way. If you're playing somebody with a disability, if you're playing somebody who is wearing prosthetics, if you're playing somebody who's chubby and you're usually skinny, if you're playing somebody who has to lose a lot of weight, if you're playing somebody who has an accent, if you're playing... They're, they're going to pick that. That's why Michael Keaton doesn't win, but then Eddie Redmayne wins. Yeah, yeah you picked that one that year, and then the next year you... That's why Birdman doesn't win. That's why Spotlight wins. Best pictures are a little bit different. You're never going to pick the one that has the like crowd groundswell. You're going to pick the one that makes the Oscars voters feel feel the smartest for picking. Uh, they have to be smarter than the average moviegoer. They have to be smarter than Ugh. the Golden Globes. And that's why you're going to get uh, Hurt Locker. That's why you're going to get... That's why you're going to get Moonlight. You're not going to get La La Land. You're going to get Moonlight. That's why you're going to get Spotlight instead of Birdman. You know, that's why that's that's why you're going to get these things. Um, Unless you're Casey Affleck and then you're just playing like a weird version of yourself and it's fine. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the rules don't the rules don't always work. <laughs> they don't always work. But in in general, when I see certain not nominees, I just kind of know that that one is 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 the one. And one thing I do know is when I've talked too long, let's wrap this episode up. So here we go. Thank you so much. We're going to wrap up this episode of Screen Fix. It's a bit of a light news week, but we threw in some goodies for you. Katie, take us home. Follow us on Twitter at Screen Fix Pod. If you have a question or a trailer you want us to talk about or something that we have somehow missed, um, email us at ScreenFixPod at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, you can find us on, Greg? ScreenFix.com. <laughs> No, none of that's right. Okay, so you can find us at, if you want to find our direct feed, you can find us at screenfix.libsyn.com. We're also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places that you can find and download and listen to and stream podcasts. It is also our dream to podcast this podcast from a small one-screen indie theater. If you want to be on board with that, we do have a Patreon account, and you can donate to the show, and you can find us at Patreon. Just search for Screen Fix, and please uh, get, uh, uh, donate and keep us going and give us a home where we can watch our indie films and you can come watch them with us. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, we're out of here. Do you have anything to send them off with, Katie? No. <laughs> Do you have anything to send them off with, Greg? <laughs> to Lou, it's, it's been good. It's been <laughs> real good. Yeah.